Welcome to Miss Yeah Sirens and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama hot broadcast. Yes, I. Uh, despite the fact having just watched this episode, I forgot that it does definitely is trying to really go into that hot rod style. It really is. Yeah. Um, this is an episode where the writers' room watched last season and went, "Ah, oh, shoot." Frank was under mind control last season when he was mean. We got to backpedal. I mean, uh, it's it, they're they need him to fulfill certain roles, and he will fulfill whatever that role is at any point in time. You gotta feel bad for the actor. Like it must be like having. I mean, he's probably just having I mean, fun. He's getting a paycheck. He's but like he can build no arc. I mean, admittedly, I would say that I don't think there's inherently anything about this episode that w- that I would say would strictly count contradict his earlier thing it just makes him a very maybe uh, he's got a lot of layers to him frank has layers frank is an onion or an ogre yeah yes he has a lot of stuff going on uh he's like the earth and at the center is a fiery fiery core yeah from when he was a mercenary but he is uh here to be a plot Archie's device. dad. Well, I was say Archie's dad. Oh, he is Archie's dad. That's yeah. true. Like, I, I don't know. We know nothing of his existence, uh, kind of, but from before he arrived in Riverdale, other than that he is brothers with. <laughs> it's true. In this, he will tell he will tell a story about him in the past, only relating to his relationship with Archie's father. He has no robust, well-rounded life. Does does he not have a place he needs to be? Yeah, does he not have a job or a home? He just dropped everything to go to this town to get his nephew right when we didn't know that everything was really wrong with him. Look, <sighs> they just didn't want Archie to marry a Blossom. Well, like, except for when they did. That's true. <laughs> she was she was all into it. I, 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 I don't, don't really know when she stopped being into it. <laughs> the, best I, the best I can say is, like, maybe, maybe Molly Ringwald Andrews... Uh, she was playing along with the idea that like, well, then Frank will arrive and he'll really show him what's for. Frank can be the bad guy. But until, I'm just a mom. But until then, I will aggressively push this forward. I will give no pushback against it. I will only work for it until Frank or the man arrives. I will never ask Archie what his thoughts or feelings or what actually happened was. No. But, I'm just a girl. And I'm just a boy. And this is just Riverdale. Season 7, episode 10. American Graffiti. American Graffiti. The first thing you need to remember is at the end of last episode, Sheriff Keller came in hot, hot, hot. He came in the door. He looking was for, looking for Jughead. Yeah, his, he, he left his flashing lights on outside. He came here, lights on. He, it was important that he got here at this time because, Jughead, we need your help to solve this case. So, Jughead, <laughs> do you know who Ray ba- Bradbury's next of kin might be? Got any family or anything? Any, anything like that? I'm like, what are you? What? <laughs> It's just the classic Riverdale bait and switch. <laughs> the only thing that would be better if Sheldon Keller like came in last episode, kicking down the door with his gun up, being like, "Everyone on the ground!" So Jughead, Jughead. Uh, do you know if Mr. Rayberry has like a family or like a wife or anything? Is there anyone who's his next of kin that we should notify about this death? And Jughead's like, mm, I mean, he might have mentioned a wife. And Sheldon Keller's like, "Excellent child." 
What I need you to do is go to your place of work and ask your employer for confidential information from his employment files. I won't do that. You know me, the sheriff who wants this information. Yeah, it's not like it's my job. Do your job, which is, I guess, getting documentation on your coworker. It's insane. I would have said they only paid him to be in one scene, but he's in other scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so I guess that's what Jughead's going to do. Meanwhile, we get uh, Archie and Reggie being buddies, talking about uh, hot celebrity women. Ooh, who's more attractive? Elizabeth Taylor, a brunette, or Marilyn Monroe, a blonde? Yeah, it's kind of an idea there. And you could you could argue that that is the, what they're going to go with until, obviously, Frank comes in and mentions four other celebrities. Halfway through this episode... You know what? I think during, like, way early in this episode, they just run out of names to drop, <laughs> and the scrambling they do... <laughs> to is, come up with names to drop. ...is really bad. <laughs> but uh, Frank, well, he's, you know, he, he, he's got his thoughts on which uh, celebrity is the hottest. And what's kind of nice is the celebrities that he thinks are hot are the ones who are close to age-appropriate for him. <laughs> so good for you. Good for you, Frank. You're not lusting after younger women. You're a good man. All right. I don't think the show's thinking about that, but you know I love ages. Yeah. Uh, so he got a call from the school, and Archie, your grades. They're up. At a B-plus average. <laughs> like, okay, so he was, I guess, having trouble with. I guess. Wouldn't it have been cool if we saw that? Yeah. Or just even hinted to it. I just needed one line of someone saying, before it became a strict problem. Well, and they had so many scenes that took place in classrooms. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, his... Car has returned. I was under the impression that it was gone permanently. Yeah, I thought they sold it. I I thought that because we we criticized him on that. So I guess we he was just storing it somewhere. somewhere. Anyway, he's got his. Uh, I mean, I call it the jalopy because the jalopy is what it was in. And it is a jalopy. But they call it a hot rod. No, he is the coolest car in the world. Yeah, apparently. It is the coolest car in the world and nothing is ever bad with it, even when you think something is bad with it. Despite the fact that when we found out about the car, he said it was an old jalopy that he and his dad souped up and made able to go fast. But now, well, they it was a jalopy. Now it's cool. Uh, yeah, he found it in a dump. He built it with his dad. It's... I feel like knowing that this car is, like, a connection to his father is important information. I'm not going to say, like, I'm glad that Frank didn't sell it. Um, I'm not going to say Frank taking it away was a bad idea because he's, like, a parent trying to... Do, Get his kid in line. Yeah. But his mom being like, hey, don't you drive that car. It which makes you have me an, sad. Don't, I'm just thinking about your dad. And Archie being like, what? I think about my dad with the car. Now, to be fair, Archie thinks about his dad and everything he ever says or does. Yes, uh, immediately you could take that. But the car seems to be very, very important to him. Well, especially because if you think about it, he and his dad worked on this car. Yeah. And then they just fixed it before he went to Korea. And then he died. And Korea ended in 1953. Yeah. So Archie was like 12 when they made this car. Yeah. So I'm just uh, arguing that... Maybe Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald's a bad mom. We know this. She does. She has no empathy. She has no ability to think about things the way that Archie would. Uh, but Reggie is very excited about the car. Uh, Reggie, uh, Archie's also very excited about the car. And these two buddies, now that Archie's got his grades up, <laughs> they're gonna time skip, to skip school. school. 
<laughs> like everyone will do this episode. They're going to skip school and go drive that car. Yeah, well, Jughead had to skip school to go to Mr. Fieldstone. <laughs> and Mr. Fieldstone's like, huh, oh. you know, all writers like to commit suicide. I love, I, he does come in with an idea, like, <laughs> Jughead comes in way too coy. He should just ask, hey, did he mention anything on his records? He's trying to be like, do you know anything about if he had, like, uh, a wife or anything? I'm like, I don't know. He's known him for less time than you have. Yeah, just ask him to pull his employment file. Yeah, it turns out, um, oh, just a brain flash here for Mr. Fieldstone. Um, half of uh, Mr. Bra- Ray- Rayberry, they call him Brad. Like, Rayberry is some people and Brad is the other people. Do we want to just define what we're going to call him? Brad? The, sure, let's call him Brad. Yeah, I think I'm much more li- like less likely to mess up Brad than I am Rayberry calling That's fair. him Bradberry, the actual name. Uh, <laughs> so, so Brad, Brad, half his salary was sent to some PO box in South Carolina, Ooh. and this was where I was afraid that someone was going to drive to South Carolina, and I'm like, "That's way too far." <laughs> now, luckily, well, because they set up a car. And oh, then they true. set up a destination. But luckily, this episode will point out later on that Jughead is not Archie's friend. Yeah, they'll. There are there are moments where they're just like, "Hey, you know, I know you've been thinking about this, and I just need you to know. Just show an audience here. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they're not friends. Yeah, they're." So- they're not going to help Jughead with his problems. The only person Jug- who can help Jughead is Tabitha. No, merely Jughead will not inform them of his problems. Because they're not friends. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to check into a storyline that we will see um, a few times now. And a storyline that is quite boring. Okay. Important, you could argue. You could argue that. But boring. So Tabitha did, in fact, start her Black Literary yeah, Club. Yeah, I guess they got... she got the funding from the school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. No, because Veronica, uh, Cheryl just gave her some mysterious cash. Yeah, and that's never come up. Yeah. Uh, and, they, yeah, so this is the Black Athena Literary Club. And I'm sorry. These teenagers are the worst people I've ever met. They're so pretentious. Oh, they are insufferable. They talk like university scholars, like... Like, master's students trying to prove to each other how smart they are. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Um, It's... It's a bit of people who have never heard people, um, like, do a critique or a dissertation on a book try to imagine how people would talk about stories. And what I would have liked to see is not for all of these kids to be brilliant scholars. I want to see them, like, get upset and passionate and talk over each other oh. and fight about the books. Oh, yeah. So this this is something very important. Um, the books they are reading are very, like... Very... He's... Hall's... Hallmark books, Keystone yeah. books. And and not only that. In black literary history. And not only that, like, historically rough reads. Yeah. Like, they, because they, they do Invisible Man. The story of a mad scientist who turns himself invisible, right? That's the story. Mm. No. Uh, this is Invisible Man by Ref Ellison. <laughs> um, and then later they do Native Son. And I have not read those books, I will be honest. Um, but I have heard, like specifically, Native Son yeah. is a rough read. Like it is, a, it is an uncompromising story. And the fact that they all, none of these kids, no one's emotional it, about yeah, it. No one has any emotion at all. They're all just like, hmm, yes. Well, see, I believe that per, that this was this, and it was and this. They make a point to give each student a different view. One's like, oh, well, I feel very strongly that they've reduced us to stereotypes. Another one's like, but don't you think it's so gripping how this character represents? this thing and I'm like no there's kids do not have that emotional development to talk about these stories like this notably so I don't pay a lot of attention to um 
uh, costumes. It's just something that tends to go over me. That's something, something absolutely stands out. But Tony does dress like a 31-year-old woman in this episode. Well, and, like, they are all adults playing these characters. Because yes. they did cast all of the teens to look the same age as our adults playing teens. Yes. But they, but they, no, I'm specifically, Tony oh, dresses yeah. like she, a, she dresses like her guidance counselor yeah, she self. Is, yeah, she's not dressing like a teenager in 1951. It's just, it's uh, truly, it, what, it makes it hard for me to buy in on the importance of what they're discussing because they are not discussing it the way the humans would. No, they're discussing it like it's a um, curated, uh, curated piece specifically meant to do exactly what you want to see. And there'll be Weirdly enough, like, there's no real struggle in this storyline. There's no change. There's no struggle. There's information being handed out. The most we get is in the middle of this scene, Clay, whether they're talking about an Invisible Man, Clay will be like, it's not about the day-to-day. Like, day it's about the entire scope of the human experience of being black. And then just some random woman in the corner will clear but, her throat. That's their faculty advisor. Oh, no, I know who she is. Oh. Yeah, but, but she, they're getting too political. But nothing he says is any different than what anybody else said. No, I know. And And she's not even impassioned. And she will never cop up again. Later when someone's like, later when someone says, oh, it's about white privilege. She just sits there. And like, if the idea is that she's there as like a spy from the, uh, the higher ups to be like, well, make sure they don't say anything too, uh, inflammatory. Inflammatory. They, They can't get too riled. We can't have our black students rising up. Yeah. She, she, she gets the, she gets the throat clear at the most innocuous thing. I, even by 1950 standards. Oh Yeah. I have one more wild thing to bring out about this club. Yes. This terrible club. This terrible club. I think they read one to two books Every day. Yeah, I they seem to meet. Be, because they meet this one to talk about, I think, two books. Mm-hmm. Invisible Man and... And Their Eyes Were Watching God. Yes. Which I have read and is heartbreaking, even if they are reduced to stereotypes. Yeah, and then... Then, the I think the next day, they're doing Native Son. Well, because Tony says... Tony says, I have to finish reading. And then she gives... Cheryl, the book that night to meet, like, oh, the no. next day. The next day, they have the meeting where Clay reads his poem. Right. And the day after that. So it's one to two books every two days, Kevin. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's not... That is way too many books. You guys have other things to do. There, also, there like... Is, sorry, go ahead. I want to bring up. It happens a few times now where they seem to insinuate that you cannot both have a normal life... And be, like, aware and socially active. Like, they are two separate yeah, things. Yeah, you can only, you can only be you, aware and socially active. No room for anything yeah, else. Yeah, you are not allowed to, you know, have relationships with people. And I feel like, you know, the activists I know would disagree with that. The successful ones. The successful ones. Yeah. Um, and not only that, Clay and Kevin are a great example of how that is distinctly not true. I don't know how Clay has time to do oh, everything he oh no. does. Oh, I'll tell you why. Clay has read all these books before. <laughs> That's right. He made the syllabus. Yeah. He know he has read all he he's read all these books before. So I bet he just remembers from the last time he read. He doesn't read any of these books. He spends time with his boyfriend, writes a poem, and then when they all come in, they all who had to read these <laughs> massive books that they have to have deep thoughts on. They can't just say like I read it and I felt yucky and I'm trying to interrogate why. Yeah, there's no, no that's not okay. There's no way you could read these books in like 2 days and be like I have a well-formed thought. 
on what this is. And I'm ready for an unemotional debate about my peer with my peers about a subject near and dear yeah. to my heart. Yeah. I mean, I get emotional on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> and we talk about stupid things. It's true. We talk about important things. Uh, but, you know, the meeting, it does seem like it's going well. Cheryl does walk by at one point and just go, oh, oh people talking about smart things. <laughs> I bet they're so smart. St- Midge, still pregnant. Fangs, still trying to be a rock star. Oh, he's playing a gig in Centerville. Now, he's not headlining. Oh. That's Richie Valens. Aaron. Yeah? Do you know what age Richie Valens died at? I'm going to guess a very young age prior to 1955. No, he died. He did. No, he did die after 1955. I want to say 58 or 59. Was he in his 60s? He was 17. <gasps> oh, so he's not a musician in 55. No, he's like 13 at this point. He, there's no... He, he, much like James Dean, was another one of those people who like... Live fast. No, yeah. Like, like, no, just like got famous. Then. I mean, he was in the plane crash with um, oh, Buddy Holly. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, the day I, the music died. Yeah, but he was, um, yeah, he got American Pied, uh, which are two <laughs> separate things, and one of them involved a dead guy, so it's not a joke about that one. Um, but he, um, he's another one who's like, oh, his like, his like big thing, his big hit came out, and he died like, tw- like ten months later. So, <laughs> so this being in 1955 and being like, oh yeah. I'm not headlining. Some 13 year old no one's ever heard of is. But I'm okay with it. I. I'm not going to know a lot about Richie Valens' life, but I'm going to bet he wasn't headlining in New York State in, in like, when he was 13. Especially considering he's from L.A. Uh, yeah. Or at least California. But anyway. This, oh, this is the point where I said, I think they ran out of references. And they're just like, oh, God, who is this? Like, Richie Valens. Just say Richie Valens. Don't Valance. use Elvis. Don't use Elvis. <laughs> just say Richie Valens. Um, Mitch is like, ah, super cool, daddy-o. Let me put your na- the date and time in my calendar. And he's like, no, it's he's, in a rough area of town and you have a baby in your stomach. You can never go out. They, yes, that is what they say. The slang that they use, they use too indiscriminately in the fact that everyone talks the same. When the big thing about slang in the 1950s and 60s was that people talked different. Like yeah. she's talking a bit like a beat which i guess she's hanging out with fang so you could argue that but like but then she should maybe be delivering it differently like she's trying to like be <laughs> cool with him they could they, they could do that i wouldn't argue that like you could you could make a case that because she hangs out with fang she does talk like that but that's a cool thing about the slang of that time specifically that it very clearly delineated yeah. who you were that's yeah. a whole point like the outsiders that's a whole plot point in the outsiders yeah. how Ponyboy and his brothers and his gang talk differently than the socks. Yeah, but like, but like, Archie and Fangs and Midge and Cheryl, Cheryl and, and Tony, Tony they all like, talk the same. They, everyone talks the same. All the they just decided like, oh yeah, if you're a kid, you talk this way. Which like, I know they're too, they had a specific thing where it's like, remember Tony's whole thing was like, oh yeah, but you guys are both you're squares. both preppies. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Midge can't come. It's too rough. Okay. So uh, Jughead... You'd think that would be a plot point, but it's not. None of this is a plot point. <laughs> uh, but Jughead is going to fill in Tabitha on what he discovered about uh, a 
Brad. I almost said Ray Barry again. Brad. What these kids think is what they need to do is go hang out in a dead guy's apartment to find the things the cops missed. They're going to say break into his apartment and then they're just going to live there. Yeah, and I really think they just opened the door and walked in. Yeah. Oh, uh, quick note, fine thing about this apartment that I didn't realize before. This is Jughead's apartment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I... I the one from... Last season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he, because it, he, it first appeared in River Vale, but then he moved into it in Riverdale, yes. right? Yeah. Because yeah, I specifically remember there. that little tiny, tiny writing nook. Yeah. Thing. Good for them raising the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, the, if this is Tabitha just like trying to reshuffle stuff around, uh, one problem though, it's not in Riverdale. Nope, it's in Seaside. It's in Seaside. So I also guess Sheriff Keller's the sheriff for the county. I mean, he's a sheriff. Yeah. You can be sheriff for town and county. Yeah, I, I, th- I think in the other universe, uh, he the sheriff was just the sheriff for Riverdale. Did he investigate Miss Grundy's murder? No. Okay. They specifically said it just happened in the next town over. They got information on it, but they didn't well, look, investigate Kevin, it. It's the 1950s right now. Well, Less people, bigger territories. No, I think this just legitimately confirms our joke that we've been having for a long time. And Riverdale does change in size depending on who's perceiving it. So after this, Betty and Veronica decide to play Boink, Mary, Kill. And without the kill. Because they only have two guys, Brando yeah. and Paul Newman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like this. I like, I like that the boys were talking about which, like, which female celebrity was the hottest. Mm-hmm. The girls talking about which male celebrity is the hottest. Hey, you know what? All teens being teens. I do like that the girls go further, though, because Betty's like, oh, well, I would definitely marry Paul Newman, but boy, do I want to have a passionate night with Marlon Brando. Well, yes, they they are actually doing uh, Mary F. Kill, except for Mary F. There's no third one. Uh, versus the boys who are just like, this no, girl's hotter. This one's hotter. No, this one's hot. Like, boys are ranking. They're just deciding who will they marry and who will they have sex with. Yeah. We're... We're getting all of them. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the girls are gonna. Yeah, girls are gonna get what girls want. Um, and they talk a little bit about how, like, hey, now we're both free from our parents, and we're both gonna pretend. I'm gonna assume pretend that it doesn't bother us as much as it does. No, I think it actually doesn't bother Betty because apparently she's thriving. Her skin <laughs> is clearer. Her heart is lifted. She's filled with joy and no dark thoughts for the first time in her life. So then, just Veronica is just probably Veronica pretend. is pretending because <laughs> she was pretty sad or like weirded out sad yeah. be. but hey they're free they got no, they got no parents they got uh, no boys no boys but hold on a second there are some boys and those boys are in a car yes the boys hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride you're gonna ask him on a date yeah well i mean two of our one the other one will ask someone who was driving on a date it's true which i think uh according to the tlc book that one's fine yo he's good he's just the one who's on the just passenger the one side, on the passenger side. <laughs> Now, he is also not hanging out, so he's no, just... he's just, just sitting. There's just no cover to this car, even though it is winter. <laughs> and it is winter because Cheryl will wear a coat and gloves. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, so are Veronica and Betty in this scene. The boys will only wear, like, light jackets that are unbuttoned, but the I, girls will bundle. I can have a guess on why that happened. I don't think the costume designers thought of what... They could wear other than that. But with the women, they were like, ooh, we got a lot of, like, like nice, like, lots 1950s, 1950s coats. coats. Uh, boys, I don't know. Just deal with it. Figure it out. Wear, wear, your, wear your T-shirt and clench, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Veronica does apologize to Reggie. She like, doesn't really give him a good apology. No, she also doesn't give him a good reason. He's like, well, I'm fine with, like, you know, some fun of, like, pursuing. Jeez. But 
Are you like? Do you want me to catch you? And she's like, well, I guess there's only one way to find out. And I'm like, that's not an answer. And Reggie is like being extremely. Um, and he's being very upfront. Yeah, he's being very upfront, very progressive. And she's just like, like there's only one way to find out. And then I guess he's like, well, I guess I'm going on a date with her. So he goes to see his dad. I mean, Archie. And he's like, please, daddy, can I borrow dad. the car? He's not his dad yet. At this point, he's just a friend he wants to borrow a car from. But as soon as he asks the question. Archie turns into his dad. Yeah. I thought you were done with that whole Veronica thing after she gave you so much heartbreak. And how do I know that you'll drive my car safely? Do you even have a driver's license? He Once again, Reggie does not answer that. He just says he drove his dad's truck on the weekend. <laughs> it's true. Not an answer. I love Reggie. Yeah, God, any yeah. Reggie. So he's going to get his, he's going to get the car. And Archie's like, yeah, you know what? You seem like you're in a good place, buddy. <laughs> I don't have any plans, so you take the car, son. Me and your mom are just going to stay at home and watch whatever's on TV. (laughs) So uh, we have to check in with Tony and Cheryl. God, every time we go to the storyline. So Tony's like, the club's the best thing that could ever be. I love the club. It's amazing. Cheryl's like, we don't hang out because all you do is, I guess, do this club and then read for the club the next day. And so then she says... (laughs) Perhaps, maybe. We could hang out. And Tony's like, no, Ah, I have to read. She goes, okay, well, what if I came to the club and didn't talk? I could just sit there and listen. I could learn. Uh, Tony, I could learn. Tony's like, oh, I mean, that seems like a good idea. Maybe more toward like the end of the semester. But like, we really want to like make sure it gets settled first. And I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're doing a club specific, like specifically to help like, you know, black students read black authors. It makes sense, like, before you start changing that stuff up to, like, let it get settled. Now, would this be better if perhaps their discussion had been impassioned and hadn't gone super smoothly and they had, like, argued about things instead of realized being like, hmm, I understand mm, yes, your I point understand. of view, but mm. I disagree. Yes, true, true. Yes, indeed. Uh, carry on. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's have some stakes. Where are the stakes? Yeah. Uh, so Betty uh, checks in with Archie, being like, "Hey, my mom has disowned me. Want to go on a date?" And Archie's like, "Yeah." Yeah. And she goes, "Cool tonight." He's like, "Oh no, I gave my car to another boy, and there's no way we could do this another time. It's tonight or nothing. <laughs> That's the only date." He's like, well, "I mean, we could just like take the bus or walk." And he's like, Ooh. "What?" And she's like. Oh, Archie, a walk would be cute. I think that I. It's weird that he does like seem to like start to like panic <laughs> that he's true. like at the, thought, at the thought of a bus or walking. But I think it's mostly him just realizing, no, my car's with someone else. But I have a car, but it's with someone else. Even though he literally just got the car back today, uh, yeah. he hasn't had a car for forever. Yeah, but but now he has the possibility of it. Didn't uh, he take Veronica on a date on his bike? No. Oh. I mean, I think he just didn't – no, no, he definitely didn't. He rode his bike to school. I think he tried to take her on his bike. We did. He, but, like, at Bet- that point, oh, yeah. Julian was there with his Julian car. Julian was a character. Betty would go on a date on his bike, though. Wouldn't it be cute? No, um, Betty is very weird this episode because they have to play her off as she's, like, very frustrated by what's going on with these boys. But, like, the Betty that even I think we know from this show – I don't feel like any of this stuff is out of place for her. The Betty that we know from the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, now, Millie, yeah, Betty is legitimately fine with taking the bus or walking. It is Archie who is weirded out by yes. this. I, I assume his his other thing would have been like, well, why don't we just take off our shirts and run there? Because that's what I usually do. <laughs> Let's hope we get places. <laughs> Which would be great. Uh, 
but yeah, so Jughead and Tabitha are checking out Rayberry's uh, apartment. And then Tabitha does a truly terrible thing. Oh, Tabitha is... Oh, no, she doesn't do the terrible thing yet. She'll oh, do it soon. Yeah, yeah. So she she does find the photo of a woman named June. And so Jughead snoops through his dad's yeah. um, address should, book. We, we should mention, June Simpson is a black woman. Which in is mo- significant. Yeah, in most cases, that would that probably wouldn't be significant. But because we know what this show is, it clearly is a thing. And that's the thing. Like, I knew it was significant from the second we saw her photo because yeah. I was like, oh, you remembered there was black students this episode. Yeah. So you're doing a racial thing this episode. Yeah. And I know it's offensive to say that sentence, <laughs> but this is how Riverdale treats their minority characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I swear, it's not like, the, the, not how my brain normally works, but with Riverdale, I'm like, oh, you've coded this. Yeah. Thanks, Riverdale. That's what I mean. It's normally not a thing that I would be like, oh, yeah, look, a black person. <laughs> a, a, a different season. It would not even cross my mind. But, but this but, season. But because of this season, it, yes, it does. It's fun. It is very interesting out that because of what they, the story's been telling this season, it has trained the audience to be like, oh, a black woman. Which, that that being said, if I ever see a redheaded character, I'm like, a blossom. <laughs> That's a blossom. Yeah. So the, the show's trained me. Yeah. Yeah. In a probably problematic way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So they 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 assume this is probably Rayberry's wife. She lives in Cal- in South Carolina. She's been writing him since 1948. Yeah. She says love letters. And for uh, first, I'm like, how do you know that? And we oh, learn later. We'll find out why. Because well, let's just say right now, this Snoopy Snoop read all of their private she correspondence. Read all the letters. It's like she, this is Tabitha. She just decided to read the letters. They're not both dead. Yeah. June is very much alive. Yeah, it feels like she was like, mm, but one of them was dead. That means I could read the letters. But she doesn't read the letters that the dead one wrote. She reads the letters that the live woman wrote. I know. So while this is going on. Tony, or sorry, not Tony. Kevin and Cheryl are at the school. <laughs> I mean, the, and the, in a very out of character way, Cheryl looks at Kevin. It's like, Kevin, what's wrong? Yeah, I mean, the, the several of the scenes seems to be Kevin was standing on the front stoop, and Cheryl walked by and went, "You, what is wrong with your face?" <laughs> and Kevin goes, "Oh, I'm happy. My boyfriend wrote an amazing poem, poem, and it lives in my mind." Oh, where'd you where'd you hear this poem? <laughs> yeah, none of the questions she asked make sense. Nope. Uh, where did you hear this poem? Oh, I was at the Black Athena meeting. What? Dun dun dun. I was invited by Clay. Oh yeah, we forgot to say the Literary Society is by invite only. Yes. Um, I, I assume so terrible white people don't show up. Uh, one is already there. She sits in the corner and <laughs> clears their throat when people say nothing. It's true. Uh, so Betty once again expouses on how happy she is her mom is to offer back. But Archie is just can't stop worrying about his car. Betty even uses a car metaphor to explain how happy oh, she is. Well, yeah, no, that... That was weird. <laughs> Why would she do that? She's not doing that to try to appease Archie. No, but she is very into cars. <laughs> yeah, there's like, it's like, oh man, it's like I have, it's like the brakes have been taken off and there's an open road in front of me and the hand's been taken off the wheel. Cars, carburetors, pistons. Wait, who has a car? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird amount of analogies just so he, she could mention cars. Uh, Archie is losing his mind, though. <laughs> he's, every car he hears, he's like, is it my car? He's like, where, where, is there, where else is there to go in town other than Pops? Like, he gives a bit of like a Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> 
KJ Appa is having so much fun this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they're giving him just a fun, nice storyline that, like, it has just a nice amount of stuff. You understand (laughs) why he's freaking out about this. This is his last connection to his dad. Except for the fact that he plays basketball, the thing he always played with his dad. But he didn't want to do that. The car was the thing that he considered to be his connection with his dad. He was kind of forced into basketball, and that had to be like a... He had to get over that connection with his dad. Yeah. Uh, So Cheryl will now confront Tony. And by confront, I mean calmly talk to her, because there's no nothing here. She'll just be like, so Tony... I heard that Kevin heard Clay do a poem. So, um. How? How? (laughs) He's like, oh, yes. Well, we thought that maybe Clay's boyfriend should be there. Clay invited him. Yes. And Cheryl's like, okay. I did ask if I could come. Uh. <laughs> and then Tony just tries to distract her by being like, "Oh my God, yes, Clay, he has such a such a crush on James Baldwin." Uh-huh. And then she was like, "No, but really, if there's already white one white person there, can I please be another well, white person?" I mean, I think it's over here. Thing is, why did you say I couldn't come? Because because the, the implication she gave in the early one is like, "Oh, we wanted to like keep it like with black people until yeah. then." So. It's not a white thing. It's, it's a, a me thing. thing. Why? And they don't actually ever, it feels like... Explain ex- why it's a Cheryl thing. Yeah, or or go deeper into the fact that, yeah, Tony was just worried about Cheryl coming. And there's no... Ex- so here's the And Cheryl problem. doesn't seem to care when they, when they do kind of talk about it later. Here's the problem with Cheryl's writing this season. Mm-hmm. In Cheryl-centric episodes, she's, like, very open-hearted, very open-minded... Like, very interested in bettering herself. Yeah. And in non-Cheryl-centric episodes, she's the Cheryl from last episode who throws popcorn at Veronica. Yeah, she's a weird goblin. Um, But, like, at no point will Tony ever say, well, I was worried about you coming because you're not just white. You're a blossom. I'm, Your dad has this insane power in town. I'll, I didn't know if that would throw them And that off. is obviously what is going on there but it's so weird that they don't want to ever fully address that it's like once again they're afraid that it might that look Cher- like yeah the cheryl might be a bad person and like you're doing this through a 1950s and you have the like the mayor's daughter in a town like and you won't even make her make her like i don't i've said this many times she doesn't have to be racist but you won't even do like the passive idea of white privilege that she's unable to see which you will discuss later in front of her and she will kind of be like oh it reminded me of my family but hey yeah you're you're right that does maybe you want to interrogate that and <laughs> is that interesting i mean later i we're kind of skipping ahead but i feel like the argument that this episode is making is that sometimes um, minority groups in this episode, black people, yeah. need a space that is for them, for yeah. them to for them to discuss their experiences. But, but they seem However, to... Kevin will always be yeah, completely they, welcome there. It's like they, they refuse to have Tony actually put up a boundary for Cheryl, but they also refuse to have Cheryl do something that might be misconstrued as racist in so any way possible. They don't want either of the characters to seem bad. Yeah, they want no one to have any conflict. So it's two people saying they're being like, I would like to see this, go to this meeting. Why would you let, uh, why did you let Kevin in if you wouldn't let me in? And Tony's like, well, 
I guess you're right there. You can come. You should read this book, by the way. We're discussing it tomorrow. We're discussing it tomorrow. Because <laughs> we read them every day. So anyway, in a less serious storyline, yeah. Reggie sneaks home in the darkness of the night. Oh, and, and we, Archie. Oh. oh, he's sitting in the dark waiting for him to arrive. And we get a nearly shot for shot remake of when he came home after <laughs> his drive with his mom. Except for Archie has more of a reason to actually be. Yeah, he is concerned about his car. Yeah, um, but yes, though, he's sitting there waiting for his son. I mean, car. I mean, Reggie. Uh <laughs> He's just like, where were you? You could have been you could have been in a wreck. And Reggie's like, look, I took Veronica home. Then I just went for a drive on the freeway. You, you took my car onto the highway? You, you, <laughs> Cars cannot I, go on highways. I really wish Reggie didn't call attention to the fact that he's acting like a dad because he says, what are you going to ground me? And I'm like, no. I know. No, it's funnier when like you're both playing it straight. When you're just playing your roles. <laughs> Don't put a lantern on it. We get it. It's like they were scared the audience wouldn't understand that, yes, Archie is being a dad. So it's, they had to say, Reggie, say that. That's so it. obvious, show. <laughs> so, yeah, he he restricts him from the car. You'll never drive that car again. <laughs> and, and then, unfortunately, Archie goes to his room, which really <laughs> Reggie should have been like, oh, fine. <laughs> but doesn't upstairs. Reggie sleep in Archie's room? <laughs> yeah, they go to the same room. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning, Frank's like, so... I heard your boys have a little ruckus last night. What you need to know is that me and your dad, we also shared a car. And it sucked. Anyway, be nice to Reggie. Hey, Archie. The main point of this conversation is actually that Reggie doesn't have a whole lot. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot. Reggie is super poor and is very far away from his family and is probably sad. So maybe let him do some things that might make him happy. She's like, well, fine. (laughs) Uh, we do take with Betty and Veronica. They both start talking about how their dates weren't great. Archie hey. was distracted. Reggie was distracted and driving. Veronica is upset because Reggie didn't park the car and take advantage of her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just as he kept on checking his watch, which when we learn later what, I mean, I'm fine to get now. When we learn later that what he did is he drove to like his parents' place. Yeah. I'm like, why are you? I guess maybe you're checking for like, my parents' bedtime is this time, so I got to get there before then. It does insinuate to me that Reggie mostly cared about going to see his parents and not for the date with Veronica, I which is a bit that. funny. It, it's very good it because like, Veronica deserves that. It feels like he used Veronica to, as get, a, a car. to get a car. Um, and maybe he didn't think about the moment, but maybe once he had it, he's like, oh, I'll just go on like a quick like – Half hour jaunt with Veronica. I'm going to go buy her a sodi pop and then go see my mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. So instead, what they're going to do is they decide, hey, let's do a double date to that big concert in Centerville. Because they <laughs> think maybe they should switch boys, which makes no sense. I mean, it does if you w- remember, once again, my thing where the idea before going steady oh, was Oh, that's a true. Lot of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but they decide, no, they're not going to do that. just going to. Yeah. Uh, um, so now we have the scene where Tabitha read the letters. has to explain all of Ray, nope, Brad, all of Brad and June's past. Yes. And the only way she could possibly do that is if she read the letters. Yeah. Which is, they are an interracial couple who met in New York. Yep. 
They got married. They moved down south where South her Carolina, from. and then white supremacy. <laughs> and then South Carolina things happened. Yep, it's not good. Yep. It is horrifying. We don't like it. No, we don't like it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, okay, I'm sure this makes sense. Only Brad left. Okay, so they were worried for themselves, and they were also worried for June's. Family. So I guess the idea is that, that let's keep one person to watch the family and yeah. one person will go somewhere else to kind of like. It would probably be better if instead of continually saying family, they said parents. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, they're old. Yeah. Well, I, I I think like if we put it that way, it does make a lot of sense. Because obviously here, like if you, because my initial thought was like. I mean, Why do you guys if, both leave? Yeah, if the people were, were racist, like. The interracial couple. Yeah, like, like, well, I, no, I was specifically saying that, like, they'd probably still not be great to the black people who remain there. True. Um, but, but so, they, if, if if you take the idea once again yeah. that, like, obviously, that June's family cannot move, it does seem like they yeah, are. Yeah, they don't have the money to move. They're yeah, locked they, on their land. Yeah. Um. So it makes sense. Brad left because, uh, and then she stayed because if Brad was the one who stayed, that's still technically an interracial. Living situation. Living situation. And it does seem that the interracial connection is what really kicked off those white supremacists. Yeah. Because white supremacists suck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say that makes – because I was like, like – I know. It, you, it, you, 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 well, no, you just have to base it on, base it on the idea that um, uh, very clearly – June's parents cannot leave in the state that they are yes. because they can't sell their house, like all those things. Specifically, it's about getting money. In that, like, and once you understand that, it does make sense why only one person would go. Yes, because that would take the pressure off um, and give time to like make money. Now, it makes less sense that Brad would not be like immediately on selling his novel. But you know what? The creation of art is complicated, and it, you can have conflicting uh, he, motivations. He does, when we meet him, he does not seem like this guy, um, which, you know, you can make uh, a, a go-to with the fact that, like, he's probably very depressed. Yep. Um, but the plan was they're going to save him money until they could move uh, June's family uh, to the city is what they keep saying. So just somewhere. So somewhere north, it sounds like. Yeah. And then the two of them are going to leave and move to Paris. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I think we should save him money to move the family, then save up for Paris. <laughs> Maybe everyone can just move to New York for a while and just disappear into that massive city. I'm just saying, like, steps could be taken one at a time and not all at once. Maybe that's what they were going to do. Um, but this is a much clearer indication of why he might not kill himself. He has a goal in mind. And he has, like, a very specific plan that it sounds like they're pretty close to. Yeah, and that is why he's actively sending money down there. Like, that is why, like, yeah. he's not sending it to support his wife. He's sending it so that they can pick it up to do whatever they need to do down there to move. Yeah. Uh, uh, back in the dumb story, or the no. frivolous storyline. <laughs> but the fun is one. Um, Archie and Reggie are both like, hey, Betty and Veronica, we're sorry we were bad at dates yesterday. I don't think they actually apologize about the dates. They oh, apologize. No, they, no, they apologize to each other. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they, they don't apologize for the dates. So they, here's the problem. I don't think they have to apologize about the dates either. I wrote down Archie and Reggie apologize, then I drew an arrow and said, Betty and Veronica tell them about the double date. And I got the two scenes 
conflated into one. Yeah, but that's, you're right. Yeah, that's bad notes. No, Archie apologizes to Reggie in a very heartfelt emotional scene. The only emotion we will see in this episode. <laughs> it's true. The only emotion we see in this episode are from these two boys trying to figure stuff out. Well, everybody around them is just like very passively. This is classic Riverdale <laughs> where like the stakes between the storylines are radically different. But only the storyline with very low stakes <laughs> has real heart. I mean, I would argue that um, June, actually probably June gives a lot of emotion. That's true. When she arrives. Uh, so yeah, they're going to have a double date in Centerville. Cool. Uh, we head to Black Athena where they're talking about Native Son. And Clay and Tabitha act like they are the teachers of the literary group opening the discussion to their group of master students. Yeah, I do like how Cheryl was first like, I'll come there and just sit and just like not, just like listen. And, and then it, they bully her into participating. I mean, they ask her to participate. But she says, no, I have nothing to say. And they're yeah. like, hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, oh. I w- Here's what I want to point out about this. Aaron, so you, do you, have you, do you know anything about Native Son? Do you uh, feel like you understand? I do feel like I understand wh- what it's about based on the do discussion. you think you do i would argue that this dis- that this discussion well i think is actually very linked to that story i i don't know if someone who hasn't read it like i i know a synopsis of it okay so it sounds to me like it is the story of a young black man mm-hmm. who does murder the woman of a very wealthy family yeah a very abusive wealthy family and i assumed based on their discussion that they dated at some point in the story that's what i took from it yeah that's not right <laughs> <laughs> that but it, the way they talked about it, it really set that up yeah i mean like yeah um <laughs> it does feel like they they maybe want to draw parallels by having cheryl be like oh it does remind me of my family but like from just what i know of the story it feels like they're probably right but only for people who are aware of the story other than that, it feels like it feels like this. It feels like the show gave us required reading. <laughs> I but, like but, I now have but, to go and read this. But book. they gave us the test before. They're like, all right. So what you have to do is you have to read. I don't know. Let's just say uh, Catcher in the Rye. Here's your test. <laughs> but I know what Catcher in the Rye is about. It's about phonies <laughs> and a boy who has some very serious mental health crises going on. Yeah, but imagine you were just a 16-year-old and I said, you have to read Catch in the Rye. You're taking your test right now, though. Oh, I knew that when I was 16. I wrote a short story uh, for my writing <laughs> class and my writing teacher was like, oh, this is a very Hofield Colin-esque uh, Aaron, narrator. Aaron, it doesn't matter what book I, I said. <laughs> I was just explaining a personal antidote for my life but yes no i was doing a bit (laughs) i know i I do feel like the show the show almost almost expected us to pause it when they said oh you're gonna have to read read this (laughs) she gave it to cheryl this should have been just like the good screen just goes to black and it says now pause your tv and read no just the entire text of native son just quickly scrolls up the screen (laughs) Pausing. <laughs> You're like, please pause the screen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Cheryl uh, gives her, her her point on it. It's, but wait, it I, seems, before right. Cheryl gives her point, Kevin, prompted by no one, is there again yeah. and gives his opinion on Native Son. Yeah. And I'm just saying. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to find like, Native Well, I mean, all he gave his opinion of. I bet it does remind you of uh, James Baldwin. Because <laughs> But, like, that's, still... I don't know. Should he be back? His maybe his boyfriend is reading another poem. Well, we I don't mean, know. I think this is. I think it just clearly deli- like delineates that yes, 
Tony just didn't want Cheryl there. If if he wasn't in this one, you could then you could further make the argument that it was that was for um, the benefit of Clay. Yeah. But the fact that he now just seems to be like part, part of, of the thing group d- tells me that yes, it is specifically a Cheryl thing, and Cheryl will not ask about it or care. And Tony will offer no explanation. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so they they force Cheryl to. Yeah. She, she, well, she. Or no. They, they, honestly, they very kindly prompt her and encourage her to participate in the discussion. Yes, and you know she she gives her thing there. She says that she thought it was a very powerful book. She's going to get like another list of books by black authors from clay because one more. of the kids does ask her he's like have you ever read a book book by black author be- author before this does however make tony proud though we've it it just feels very similar to when uh betty was already aware of um injustice and then became more aware of injustice and that was the change cheryl has been aware of this since the episode they made her let them read the poem and and the idea of i want to make this very clear the idea of you can never stop learning like how to be more progressive and how to be more open is a good thing to do but that does not feel like the direction they're going cheryl never felt like she never came off like oh no i understand like if she had came in being like No, no. Uh, I'm an ally. So, yeah, I understand what's like. I totally understand. So like, but she came in like, I don't think I know anything at all. I don't think I know anything at all. And then she reads the book and goes, see, now I still don't think I know anything at all. And Tony's like, see, she learned something. I'm like, no, no she, she has no arc. <laughs> That's, and what she could, what they could have done is she could have been like, you know, I was the one who fought for you to have the club. Like, I don't participate in my family's things. I'm ready to join. Yeah, they, they could have had her come off as a bit unaware so that she could become aware or Or they could have done the flip side where tony is just like not ready to open the world up or is scared because cheryl is the daughter of the mayor tony but instead neither of them articulate either of these no i well i mean so they go right they do a debrief essentially after this and tony's like well i was worried that um you would not like them or they would not like you. Like, it would be weird. And Cheryl says, yeah, me too. Yes, actually, yes, that is it. We both agree. And then it's like, hey, so everything's cool, right? No, what Cheryl says is, I don't think I should come back. I think you should have your own space to discuss your own things. Although Kevin will be there too. <laughs> we But we'll have they'll have a public event when they, they do like a reading at the, the dark room. I'm like... Okay. No one in this in this storyline ever had a problem. There's been no problems in this storyline. There's been no conflict and no progress. Nobody has changed. Nobody has adjusted. I don't even feel like I learned anything, I guess, other than names of books, which you could argue is a good thing for people to know. You do have that one guy just who essentially his entire role was to be like, read more books by black authors. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but However... Like, that's for the audience, which like... Are, I'm sorry, are you making a TV show or are you making a documentary film to try to, like, motivate people to do something? You can do both. Man, also, honestly. like, this storyline takes place in 1955, and I, I think the show thinks maybe it's making some parallels to today. I don't know what they are. This, yeah, this, this storyline's a bit better. Than the other? Uh, yeah, because, specifically because you do. Lines. This one is about, hey, maybe you should read books by black authors, which is true to this day as well. Um, yeah. So they're going to go all to go to the Centerville concert. We do have where Jughead tells the sheriff that he believes that Brad did not kill himself. And the sheriff's like, 
Well, maybe you should consider this. Did you know he was that a communist? Bra- and he also was a draft dodger <laughs> for the protest of the Korean War. Like, well, hold on a second. He's a draft dodger of the Korean War. Let me t- <laughs> tell you something. Is he under thirty? <laughs> well, so is thirty-five. Okay, <laughs> I still would. I mean, but that means he right now would be. I guess he could be 37. forty. Thirty-seven. Yeah. yeah, forty. He was um, really high at the other end. You know what? But though he's also a dope fiend, so maybe that's fiend. why he looks so old. Also, a, he also was a mental patient at St. Vincent's in New York City. I'm just like, none of those things really are an indicator of someone killing himself. And also, you could make an argument for maybe mental patient, depending on what his situation was. And how was. long ago it was, and but, what his medication situation but it, is. It, but Jughead being like, I don't think he killed himself. Like, well, did you know he was a communist? I'm like, what does that have Well, to it's do? very 1950s. But why would a communist... But... The, but <laughs> But he's just, he's not like a straight-laced cool guy. He's a weirdo with weird views. And weirdos with weird views are prone to kill themselves. I'm like, what? I mean, I... I understand you're a terrible 1950s sheriff, but this is... A lot. <laughs> well, what what Keller says is, don't you think a man with that many secrets might have a lot in his brain and might want to do a suicide? Yeah. <laughs> um. So Jughead will confront June about these things. Con- uh, confront. Confront. Okay, so first of all, June's like, well, here's the last letter that Brad sent to me. You he should would... also know all of the contents of this one. I mean, this one is actually pertinent. He's like, yeah, it's relevant. Um, like he said, he was gonna have his novel published. He was planning for the future. Like he had a lot of plans. This is not the tone of someone who's then going to kill himself. I'm like, you're right. You're that, correct. That's more than the other ones. We could have brought this up now. Yeah. Um, and then Jughead's like, yeah, but like I just have to ask. Was he a communist and the draft dodger? He's like. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was in World War II, <laughs> and he got a war injury, and then got hooked on opioids, because that's what happens. And then he checked himself into a mental health facility to get over that. Also, in the middle there, she will mention that he worked as a janitor at a maple factory. And Ooh. I want to say, if that is not, like, a thing that matters... It's a mistake. Yeah, don't mention... You cannot mention maple syrup because just like we have queued to see people with red hair as blossoms, if you mention maple, we will be like, ooh, blossoms. I think they're doing something good. I think they're laying the seeds for something in an early episode. I I also think that's, pretend, that's what they're doing now. Um, I just... I just, Once again, with the whole trust thing. Um, can I tell you something, though? Something very, very important that you have to know. Of course. People who served in World War II were exempt from the draft during the Korean War. Yes, but what you don't know is that in that, uh, when Nixon? No. Who was the president during, right after World War? Who was the president of the Korean War? Someone. Uh, Nixon's the 70s. <laughs> yep. Um, whatever that president was. Uh, he was like, yes, if you're in World War II, you can't be drafted in the Korean War. Except for writers. <laughs> they can go <laughs> die in Korea. Look, again, we are in an alternative past that Tabitha sent us back to. Alternative so past maybe, future. Maybe Tabitha didn't know that you couldn't be drafted for both wars. Everything works if you just just assume that <laughs> Tabitha does not did not read any history and knows nothing what's going on and just tried her best. That would explain why everyone keeps name-dropping people in wrong ways. And look, the only thing Tabitha knows about 
is civil rights history because she time traveled through it. She time traveled through it. So that is why this season is so like focused on <laughs> it's that. The only that's thing her time she knows. Travels. Her time travel powers were so sad. They claim it's so that she, that she could time travel to anywhere in Pop Tates. I think she could only time travel to places where there were civil rights abuses. That's oh, a God. terrible time travel power. <laughs> it's so sad. Uh, so we do check in with the date. It's Archie and Reggie gushing over car parts. I would argue that Betty... Should also be gushing. Yeah, but they, 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 they give her one thing where she's like, Oh well, you know, like I fixed up a V8 engine, and Archie does seem interested. But then she immediately goes, "Ugh, these two interested in the cars." I'm like Betty, you're interested in cars. Betty was the shop teacher. I almost think that this would have been hilarious if, if Archie, Betty Reggie, and, and Betty and Veronica's just like, "What is happening?" I mean, Veronica says, "Well, you know, I, me and friends used to go driving with Steve McQueen," and I'm like, "God." Steve McQueen was the '60s. Gosh. Too too early. What he wasn't. He wasn't he acting. He wasn't famous. He wasn't doing that. Veronica doesn't know him. God. It's like the Richie Valens thing. <laughs> They've run out of people to reference, so they're just saying anyone they can think of. This is what happens when you just, you know, throw them all out immediately. Anyway. Um, well, that's going on, June says her goodbyes to Tabitha and Jughead, and it becomes Im- a, she gives them her blessing yeah. to go and investigate this murder because it's clearly a murder. <laughs> I think she's just like, I'm not going to stop you. I think also she probably doesn't put a whole lot of trust into a bunch of teenagers. She's like, well, I guess, yeah, sure. But she does ask if they're going steady because she obviously sees herself and Brad in them. Yeah, she's like, you two are us. <laughs> she at, at that moment, she had two questions. She had, she could either have asked, are you going steady or are you time travelers? <laughs> right. <laughs> are you us? From the, the past, past future? future? But instead, they're just like, oh, no, no, we're friends. We're friends. We're very close oh, no. friends. Oh, no. We're just, we're just friends. We're We've just... only talked to each other like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> we really actually don't know each other that much at all. I kind of left her in the lurch when she uh, went on a trip. I was supposed to send her her homework. Uh, oh, she also does give, give Doug a permission to keep writing, uh, adapting the comics, yeah. which is... A secret. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no one else knows that. Yes, he's the writer of that duck. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, she has to going steady. Um, I kind of want her to be like, "Are you going steady?" You know, that wasn't a thing we did when we were young. We played the field. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, yes, they're awkward. But then I'm sure things will be fine. Speaking of awkward, oh, that date is awkward because someone forgot to put gas in the jalopy. Yeah, I'm going to make the argument once again. I thought it broke down because that's what always happens with the jalopy. It's and, a bad car. And Betty even says, like, hey, Archie, can I help you? But the problem, like, I, th- I thought it broke down. I thought that would be good. But apparently they just didn't have any gas. So uh, Veronica refuses to walk for gas because she's in stilettos. That's fair enough. It and she suck. forces Betty to stay with her because, yes, No, that's also, yes, all safety. I mean, what they probably should have done is have one of the guys stay and have Betty walk back with the other one. Yeah, yes. But we need to have time. Well, we need to have time Our- for Archie and Reggie to have some goof ups So uh, they will do some fighting. They'll do some wrestling. Yep. Well, see, Reggie doesn't want to ask for a car from Clifford because, you know, he's already got so much on him. They bicker, they fight. In the middle of the fight, they take a break to try to hitchhike and then start <laughs> fighting again. And it's the best fight because it's just wrestling. There yeah. are no punches. They're oh. just like like headlocking each other. Oh, no, other. It's, the, it's the perfect fight between two who aren't actually angry at each other but are frustrated with each other. Yeah. So what they're just trying to do is pin each other. At one point, 
what does Reg say? He's either like, down, go down, down. <laughs> yeah, it is an amazing scene. It's very funny. Um, it's they're just, They just are so frustrated at each other. And while this is going on, I do not know how this happened. But apparently somehow <laughs> Cheryl and Midge and Tony just arrive at the car. But how did they pass the boys? Well, the boys were wrestling. They were the car that the boys were like. No, busy no, wrestling. that's going the other direction. Was and they, it? they also, go, they also the boys got up in time to um, give a, um, a hitchhike to it. And it was going the other direction. They were actually walking towards it, and the car came from behind them. Oh, you're right. They, yeah, both of the cars they tried to hitchhike and, came from behind them. Yeah, so like I don't know, Did I don't know where not, they came from. Maybe they just didn't pay attention to cars going the direction they came from because they need to get back to the. Yeah, gas. but why didn't they notice? <laughs> Two wrestling boys, Cheryl. No, okay. that the fact that it's that it's clearly Archie and Reggie. Are you actually asking me why Cheryl and Tony didn't notice something that was not directly related to them? <laughs> well, they noticed the girls. Well, those are girls. I thought that Cheryl would notice Archie. You know, the boy that almost tried to save her life. Yeah, she's over that now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're going to. You know, they're like, hey, we're going to go to the Centerville concert. Um. Veronica and Betty jump out because who cares? Who I'm. It's a bit weird because they never seem to care much for the show. The specific goal was to have a date with the boys. Yeah, but now they're mad at the boys. Now they just want to have a fun girls' night. Woo. Woo. Uh. Yeah. Uh. We check in at Pops with uh, Tabitha and Jughead. And Tabitha has remembered that racism exists. Yeah. So this is the second time. This is what I meant by they seem to have this sub theme. I do not think it's conscious, but there's this like sub gentle theme going on in the background that you cannot have a relationship. I don't mean romantic. I mean, you cannot, you cannot interact with any other human ever. If it's not in the context of fighting um, racial injustice. Yeah. Or any injustice fighting injustice because you'll forget it. I know, like it's like it's all it's happened twice, but it's weird that it's happened twice. Yeah. So what Tabitha says is, "Man, I met that woman who met white supremacists, and now I'm like, shoot, Should I, I go need back to go th- back on the road with my parents. I, a teenager. Do you do you think her, her parents definitely said you should go be in school, right? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Hundred percent. She, she didn't why she's go back. home on her own motivation. No, because or else why would she be here? Because. She would never leave. Yeah, no, like. But her parents were like, "You're def- a teenager. Definitely, go your parents back to were school. like, like, go get your education." I'll yeah. tell you why she went back because Jughead didn't send her her homework. <laughs> she she claimed that she was doing it just fine with Featherhead, but Featherhead, oh yeah, secret racist. Oh, yeah. Once again, Jughead needs to send her her homework, and I'm like, why can't? Pops do it. Yeah, her grandfather who lives in town. <laughs> like, uh, the, the, unless you're going to the other side, like, no, no, we can't have any black person interact with Featherhead. It'll just be too much. You'll be I racist. Mean, Featherhead. But yep. he also doesn't like Jughead for <laughs> different ism reasons. Classism in this Classism. case. Uh, so, so, yeah, he'll send her some homework and maybe some letters. <gasps> <Don't>, <gasps> they cut back and forth. <laughs> them far too much this is one of the scenes i want to mention where it's like they got to stretch out a little bit so they're just gonna have these two stare at each other romance is brewing just a bit too long um and then outside pops will just solve every problem so he's like so you boys are fighting huh about what and they're like oh i don't know i guess i don't have a friend pops is like i understand everything in this town hey reggie would you like 
a car. I have a terrible car in my garage that I would like to leave my garage. You can have it. You could keep it at the school. I'm like You, <laughs> you can fix but, it there. Pops, that's a big assumption to make. <laughs> I it, guess you are a magic man in this one. And it will be correct. It will be right that you could just store a car at the school. I mean, he is the star player on the basketball team, and this is a basketball town. And you know what? The shop class maybe needs a project to work on, so the project can be the star basketball player's car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is where Reggie reveals also to Archie that he actually drove home to see his folks because he, he missed them. But, you know, he's got to be a tough guy. He doesn't want to show anyone that he misses his he parents. He can't tell anyone that he went home and Archie's like yeah dude my dad died and that makes me homesick too I love it in an episode that we have said so many times is so devoid of emotion they, they have seem- to have, they have to have these two boys be like well I couldn't show my emotion because like as a man like they, they don't say it but like that's clearly the inspiration oh, yeah. here is like well we're two boys we can't show those emotions I'm like yeah well apparently no one can show any emotions anywhere so you guys are actually way ahead of the curve <laughs> at least you're talking about them yeah, um, I this would have hit a lot harder if we didn't get constant Archie dead dad stuff. Yep. If if this was the thing that was like it, just every single episode he has to be like he has to grapple with his dead dad. And I don't want I don't want to be like oh my god you talk about your dead dad too okay, much. But no, they like, talk about his dead dad too much. If if you if. If For a us. human being who I saw in real life, I would never say that to. This is a fictional character on a TV show. I'm allowed to say these things. Well, and for <laughs> us, his dad died like five years ago. Yeah. We've gone through all of this grieving already and we're a TV audience. Yeah. And like these actors actually did know Luke Perry. So yeah. is that weird? I don't know. Is it no crappy to, to make them go through that over and over? Yeah. Maybe. This is where they also mentions like, well, what are <laughs> like, well, what are your other friends? What are their names? And Archie's like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> well, because Archie's like, I've been so lonely. I haven't had a best friend since my dad died. <laughs> Richard could have just, this is what makes me be like, they they looked at the audience and said, hey, just like, we don't care. Because he's like, well, what about like your friend? Soup can or something. <laughs> <laughs> or Betty. And he's like, well, Jughead, no, nah, I can't talk to you about cars. I don't talk to you about anything. Who? What? Doesn't matter. He lives in a train car? That can't be right. <laughs> and Betty. And he's like, ah, oh, Betty. Because, you know, she's not his best friend. No. Yeah. Uh, and then they arrive. And the thing I thought earlier came true. Maybe those girls should have left a note. Yeah. They all they give this a horror stinger as well. Like, where are the girls? And they don't find out where the girls went until the next day. <laughs> anyway, smash cut to the next day. Fangs is cool now. He's a celebrity. Ooh, he got a card from a music producer from Phantom Rock Records. Everyone in the school went to that concert, I guess. I would, he shouldn't have kept it a secret from Midge. I would, also went. Yeah, and he's happy that she went, actually. Uh, Reggie's working on his car. Archie's like... Hey, can I come in? And I'm like, oh, just like just like his dad, they're going to build the car together. Nope, Betty's nope. there. B- Betty's going to build the car because she knows more than e- either of these and two like, boys. Yeah, you know what? Admittedly, Archie was 12 yep. when his car was built. I don't think the show recognizes that because the show is so bad with ages. Um, but it, it is Archie being like, oh, well, okay, well. Uh, I'll teach you about cars. Man, that car's in worse shape than mine was. I just want to bring this up. Um, this is something I've noticed about this show over a long period yeah. now. Um, this show does not believe you can have two friends. Nope. This show believes that every group is two people, and if there's ever a third people, you person, you cannot discuss them. Like, 
at no point can there be it, this begins right at the beginning when Jughead was in the booth remember with Archie yes yeah and he's like well I'm not here so that's now four people down to three people and now eventually one of them other these other people also have to be a ghost because you can only ever have one other person at a time because Betty being there she either has to be a girlfriend or a friend. Well, the fact that Archie, I don't know why Archie's so weird about this. Like That Betty's going to help too. I know. I, I, yeah, I don't know why he couldn't just be like, yeah, we're all, we'll all do it together. Instead, he's like, uh, th- three? N- no. Huh? Um, also in a Riverdale reference, the car's named Bella. So Jughead uh, is once again just, I think, just at this point living in Rayberry. You know, good for him. He should live in a house and not a train oh, car. Oh, no, I, I definitely think he should do this because it's um, it's good. It's a good arc to it. Um, I do think maybe that should have been one of the things June said. Was, live in this house? Why don't you keep this house? Because. Yeah. And Jughead will be making money off of uh, Rayberry, so yeah. he can uh, afford the rent. Yeah, or anyway, may, or maybe he owns it. Maybe he got it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's the 1950s. You can buy a house for ten bucks and a smile. Meanwhile, he gets a knock, knock, knock on the door. Yeah, and in a scene that goes on a bit too long, a random woman is just like, "I need to get milk for my cat. I live down the hall. I'm sad the Rayberries died. I have a cat. You want to get some milk? Get the milk for the cat in the fridge." And he does. Okay. But there's no milk in the fridge. Well, that's weird. Where'd the milk go? Because you know, a few days ago i heard a milkman arrive but wait how could you hear a milkman yeah that scene should have ended right yeah i heard the milkman arrive he walks down the hall and you hear the clinking of bottles <laughs> don't need to explain and there's it. a beat and i'm like okay we're done and, she, and he's like how did you hear it <laughs> okay and then she's like well i heard the clinking of the bottles I'm like, okay we're done now it's my cat's favorite it's my, sound. my cat's favorite sound he always hears the clinking of bottles from a milkman and i'm like what <laughs> Okay, and then we're done. <laughs> I don't. Yes, Kevin. That was an episode. Did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find I a CW? I barely get through that sentence. Do you want to do it again? No. Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic had too little story and its pants was too big? The pants that the story went into. Okay. So it needed padding. Yeah, where's the pants? I don't know. You always pick something from the show. You just pick pants this time. Speaking of pants. Oh, okay. My, it's not really about pants. My never CW, mind. My CW moment is when Jughead calls June. Yeah. It's a very sweet conversation about yeah. the fact that Ray is dead and how and did he suffer yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Then she's I like, think she asked that. No, she asked if he suffered. Oh. And Jughead was like, well, I hope not. Because he will not tell her it's a fake suicide yeah. until she arrives. Which I think is right. It's correct. Yeah. But then she's like, okay, well, I'm coming up there as fast as I can. And then he's like, Cool. I'll just be at his house tidying up. I'll be here forever. I won't go to school. Because it's the 1950s and she's coming from South Carolina. It's going to take her a long time. Except for it doesn't. It doesn't. Takes her a day. And that's what is not logical, but works for the sake of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, did you find CW a moment? Yeah, I mean... I think I have to give it to the fact that they just didn't have any gas in the jalopy. Like, the main thing about it is that, yes, I know it's from the comics. There's a bad car. But, uh, like, like, 
not having the gas, I think, was supposed to trigger their fight because, like, he, someone it was forgot Reggie's to put fault, but gas was it Archie's in. fault because he drove it afterwards? But it's so weird that they didn't have. Well, they don't even fight over that. Like, they don't blame each other. They're just like, oh, someone. Yeah, it feels like it could have also just been like a busted spark plug. Walked, walked to pops. Get, get a, a new, new one. spark plug. And then you could have done because you already set up the Bettys into cars. She could have popped the hood and been like, "Well, there's your pop the hood, Aaron. It's it's an open engine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I think it's worth mentioning. It is an open engine. Uh, yeah, it just feels weird that it was gas. It feels like once again they didn't want to have this car be bad, which is like a main thing about the car in the comics. Yeah, it's like. It, and, be, because I wouldn't say this if it wasn't an adaptation of, of Archie Comics. I know they have gone off it so much. But this but season like, has gone so hard back to I it. I mean, I was just going off the fact that, like, that feels so... So, you, when you adapt, you can change things. I'm actually fully open and I of the idea of changing things. And I don't think this is, like, a core part of the entire story of Archie Comics. Yeah. Which but is it's such an sh- easy thing to do. You could have had him have a bad car... Why did you decide he has to have the coolest hot rod in town? Well, especially because, like, he can still have a cool car and it can still break down to serve the story because this season has been all about. No, I would argue it should be a bad car. It should be a bad car. It should be a bad car. It should be a bad car that he thinks is cool. Because that's actually what it is in the comics. And it doesn't. I can't believe it's going in a circle here, but it doesn't matter about that. But it is a weird choice to make to look at the comics. Where a clear thing is he has a bad car. He has a very bad car and it is a bad car that's always breaking down. They decide, no, you know what? He is the coolest car in town and everyone loves it. And then everyone stood up and clapped for him. Like, let these people suck. And like during the other car episode, I thought the car was bad and Julian had the good car. (laughs) What is this show? What is happening? If you know what this show is, if you know what the deal with Archie's car is, please give us your ratings. Nope. Please tell us on the social media. Podcast MOA, podcast MOA at Instagram, at Twitter, and gmail.com. But also, don't hate our mistakes. Love our mistakes. Give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And uh, keep in mind, our play if you're in the Calgary area... Our play Riverona is going to be up at the Common Ground Festival. That's June 24th and 28th. Uh, you can get tickets from pumphousetheater.ca. And if you're not in the Calgary area, we are going to do a live stream with some of our actors on June 11th. At 1 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time. Yeah, so watch our, watch our social media. We will cross-promote it there. Come watch us play some fun games and meet the amazing people that are part of our cast. Yeah. And I think we'll just leave that plug as the main plug, the last call to action. Uh, So we will see you next week. Can Jughead prove that Rayberry didn't commit suicide? Can Reggie fix up that old jalopy? And also, something from the Cheryl storyline. Answers all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 